Welcome to the teaching ministry at Elevation Church. Today, we will hear from Pastor Fred Hewitt as we continue our series, Marriage Under Construction, with a message entitled, How to Stay in Love. Let's listen in now. Well, this installment in our series is How to Stay in Love. And I would like to add one word to this title that I didn't include uh, until it, it was already printed and everything, but I would like to add the word forever. How to Stay in Love Forever. I mean, does that have an appeal to you? Wouldn't you like to do that? Last week, if you were here, you saw this, this interview that Pastor Dave had with Satan. And, uh, and, and Dave asked Satan in this, in this mock interview, uh, how long should a marriage last? And he said, oh, you know, three or four years because you want to go through four or five marriages in your lifetime. Can I tell you, everything in our culture runs counter to God's plan for marriage. And today, we want to help you understand God's plan for marriage, how to stay in love forever. Well, uh, this week I saw something interesting on Facebook. I saw uh, a picture of the longest married couple in America, the longest married couple in America, and here they are. They've been married 80 years. Can you imagine? 80 years. John and John years old. Anne is 97 years old. Can you imagine being married 80 years? Don't you think that's incredible? I mean, we could learn a lot from them on how to stay in love forever. But it does remind me of uh, years ago, about 25 years ago, Cheryl and I were uh, at a, our church in Orlando. It was back in the time when we had the Sunday night services. You, you've attended some, some Sunday night services if you've been in church very long. Well, Sunday night's kind of casual, easygoing, and, and we were closing out the service, and somebody slipped me a note, wanted me to make a special announcement. I was eager to do that, and I, and I read, and they wanted me to introduce this couple in our church that was celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, and that was incredible. I announced that, and everybody cheered, you know, and then I, I don't know what happened to me, but I had this, this moment of inspiration. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. And I said out loud, 50 years, that's a long time to sleep with the same woman. (laughs) Yeah, half the people in there burst out laughing, and the other half wanted to charge the pulpit and take me out. (laughs) Fortunately, the the couple who were celebrating 50 years, they laughed a lot, so that was my, my savings. I've never said that in church since then. How do we stay in love forever? I mean, how, how many of you want to go all the way to the end and, and look at 65 years? Can you just imagine with me for just a moment being married to your wife, to your husband for 65 years? Cheryl and I are celebrating 38 years next month. 38 years is a long time to, well, we won't go there. But how do we get to 65 years? Cheryl and I sat down and, uh, and what, what do we want our marriage to look like? We, when we've been doing this 65 years, what do we want? We came up with three, with three things. I'll, I'll switch to the handheld if this keep, continues cutting out. Aaron, let me know if you will. Um, what, what will it look like when we've been married 65 years? We came up with these three things. We said when we've been married 65 years, we wanted to, to still be in love with each other. That's your first blank. Write that down in your program. On the back of your program, place to take notes. We said we still wanted to be in love with each other. 
And we wanted to be in love with life. We didn't want to be old and cynical and bitter. We wanted to enjoy our, our life. And, and finally, we said we, we want to be in love with God at that point in our life. In other words, we said we wanted to end well. Now, doesn't that have an appeal to you? For you and your, your spouse to be together till death do us part, to grow old together, to look at one another one day and say, you know, we're still in love with each other, and we're still enjoying our life, and we love God more now than ever. And that's where we want to be. How many of you would agree with that this morning? Raise your hand right now. If you would agree with that, if that has an appeal to you. Now, hands are raised all over this auditorium. You know why? You know why our hands are raised? Because when God made you and made me, when he made humankind, he instilled in us, a, a, in our DNA, this in, inward desire, this intrinsic trait that causes us to desire, to want to be married, to, to have a lifelong commitment to one so, so that we don't just end up after 65 years sleeping with a roommate, but we have a true soulmate. And you're that way in your life because God wired it, wired us that way. He made us that way. And we crave that. But while we're craving that and looking at, at answers and, and plans on how to do that, everything in our culture is taking us out. Can I just tell you that since we started this series, Pat, we knew Pastor Dave was going to be gone the first two installments. He's in Florida with, with our partner churches that are financially helping us get this church going. We, we knew that, that we were going to be vulnerable to, to attacks of the evil one. Now, listen, I'm not the kind of guy that sees a demon hiding behind every tree out there. I, I'm not that way at all. And we serve the living God. He's, he's all powerful of the universe, and I'm on his team. He covers you and me if we are his. So we don't have to fear the evil one. But let me tell you, he will do everything possible to take you out and mess you up. And since we started this series on marriage, can I tell you our families have been getting sick? Can't come. Preston, our, our worship leader, Preston was up all night long sick. Texted me at 7 o'clock this morning, Pastor Fred, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm sick. Satan is doing everything possible to prevent people in our church from hearing what God's Word has to say about message, about marriage. So I would just, just alert you to that. Satan wants to mess you up. He does not want your marriage to follow God's plan and God's desire. So as Cheryl and I sat down and we, we said, what, what is this going to look like? What are some things that we need to be conscious of as husband and wife, man and wife, people that, that desire to live for God, to love one another, to enjoy one another? What, what are the ingredients into this? So we, we came up with four steps this week, and I would encourage you to, uh, to, uh, to, to write these down as we go through them. And they're really all of these are based on what Jesus said regarding marriage. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. Circle a couple of things there on your program, will you? Circle the, the phrase, be joined. And be joined. Circle that. Circle the last two words, become one. Because that's what, what we're going to talk about. And these four steps that I'm going to share with you today, drawn from will help you understand what you need to do to be joined and to become one. 
So here's step number one for you. Here's step number one. If we're going to still be in love with each other, if we're still going to be enjoying each other and in love with God at age six, when we've been married 65 years, we said we need to keep stepping toward godliness. We must keep stepping toward godliness. Now, you might expect you come to church and the preacher is talking on marriage. You might expect the, the preacher to say that, right? But if, if I said nothing else in this message, if you only caught one thing today, this is it. I would want you to understand this one truth, that you give your life to Jesus Christ and then commit to growing spiritually. I mean, that's the key to this thing. It really is. You must give your life, first of all, to Jesus Christ and then make a commitment to continue to grow spiritually throughout all of your life. And it really has a, a nice uh, illustration here because you've got to get this connection right, the one that runs from you to God. And the only way to get this connection right is through his provision, through his son, Jesus Christ. And many of you have done that. Perhaps some of you have not. But that's the first step and the most important step because you can't get this connection right between you and your spouse. You can never love your spouse the way God designed in a relationship that runs this way until you get this one right. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And if you put these two illustrations together, you get a beautiful picture of the cross. And that's God's plan. That's this, this secret to marriage. And so the first step is you must keep stepping toward godliness. Here's your blank. Write this down. The fullest potential in your marriage will never be realized until you commit yourself fully to God. Get this one right. And then commit yourself fully to one another. That's the key. That's the first step. Let me describe for you just a moment a Christ-empty marriage. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you have lived this. Maybe this is, this is something you can really relate to, a Christ-empty marriage. It's like the old black-and-white TV. When Cheryl and I first got married, I, uh, I was going to school after I got out of the Navy. And, and uh, I mean, we were, we were so broke. I was working a, a night job at, at a store back then called Woolco. This was before Walmart came to Florida where we lived. And I bought an old black and white TV. Well, it was brand new. I bought a black and white TV, put it on layaway. It was 50 bucks. That was a big expense for us. And we watched that little 12-inch screen, black and white TV. That was cool. We enjoyed that. Who enjoys watching black and white TV today, right? That's a Christ-empty marriage. I mean, you go in our house, we've got this great big 72-inch, you know, digital uh, high-def plasma screen. I, I, uh, I want to watch that football game when it's on. I want to see everything that's happening. I mean, that's the picture of a Christ-centered marriage. Both of them show an image, but one is a whole lot better than the other, isn't it? So you must continue to step toward godliness. Now, the Bible tells us that when we pursue godliness... God gives us something back. He gives in us something that we need. He fills our reservoir of love and grace and mercy and wisdom. He gives us all that we need to make our marriage go right. Some of us are running on empty. Your spiritual tank is dry. 
and your marriage is a mess and you're wondering what can we do, what should we do, what do we need to do to make it right, to get it right. I don't want this thing to to crash and burn. Maybe you've been through that experience before. You've had a divorce or two. Many of us have. God says, I want to fill your reservoir so that you can draw from that. Can I tell you, there's no way I can love Cheryl like God wants me to love her. There's no way that I have within myself the wisdom that I need, the strength that I need, the character that I need to love my wife the way God wants her to be loved and the way that I need to love her. There's no way I can do that apart from God filling my reservoir, giving himself to me and me drawing from that so that I can love my wife and love my kids and love others the way I need to. Some of you are running on dry today and your marriage is in trouble and you're just grinding it out and you're moving toward being roommates instead of soulmates and I'm telling you the first step is to get this one right. Keep stepping toward godliness. Now, Philippians 2, 5 says this, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And in this context of marriage, to the interest of your husband, your wife. And then it says your attitude, write that down. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be like Christ. And can I tell you, when my attitude is like Christ, my actions are like Christ. That's your next blank. When your attitude is like Christ, your actions will be just like Jesus. And by the way, that's the goal of Christianity. God loves you just like you are. He loves you when when you're a real mess. Okay? I'm a real mess. God loves me just like I am. He loves you just like you are. We don't have to try and strive and work to become good enough to earn God's love. He loves us just like we are. But listen, he loves us enough to not leave us like we are. He begins to mold us and shape us to be just like Jesus. He begins moving us toward perfection. Now, there's a, there's a, a theological term for that. It's called sanctification, but that's pretty complicated. You know, I like to keep things simple. What does that mean? That means that when you begin following Jesus, when you begin taking seriously what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, when you begin stepping toward godliness, he begins molding you and shaping you and changing your life remaking you into the man he wants you to be so that you can love your wife the way she needs to be loved. And he begins shaping you, wife, into the the wife that he wants you to be so that you can be the woman that your husband needs. And the truth is we'll never get there without God. That's his plan. It's his design. Now here's the next step. We must keep stepping toward godliness, but secondly, we must keep stepping toward servanthood. Keep stepping towards servanthood. We're living in a day where we're pretty much lost in understanding of what it means to serve someone else, to joyfully and happily serve someone else, to roll up our sleeves and just serve somebody else. Jesus was our model for that. Jesus came to be a servant, and he expects us to also serve. Now, Cheryl and I, I was in the Navy when we got married, and I remember going to, to marriage counseling. We kind of jammed it in when I had a, some extra leave time. I would fly back to Florida and things. I don't remember much that, that our, our pastor counselor said and our pre-marriage counselor, but I remember two things. I remember him saying, first of all, Fred, you need to understand that sex starts in the morning. <laughs> and I said, all right, I, I'm, you got my attention. I'm listening here. Sex begins in the morning, and you know, I... Uh, he wasn't 
talking about what I was talking about. He was saying, hey, your, your life together, your inti- most intimate relationships begin as soon as you wake up, the way you treat one another, the way you treat one another throughout the day. If you want things to go well for you in the evening, it begins in the morning. Well, it, I caught it, but it, it took me three or four years to understand that one. The other thing that, that the, uh, our pastor counselor said in premarriage counseling, he said, you must uh, learn to serve one another. Now, that really confused me. It took me about 10 years to catch that one. I mean, I really struggled with, with what it meant to, to serve my wife. Now, here's, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20. He said, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. Folks, can I tell you, in our culture today, we need to recapture and practice this attitude of serving one another. And if you want things to go right in your marriage, husband, you need to begin serving your wife. And wife, you need to begin serving your husband. In the marriage relationship, it is not me versus her. Or it is not uh, him versus her. It is us. Me and Cheryl. We are a team. Keep stepping towards servanthood. Now, here's the challenge I would like to give you on this. Would you begin today, as you go home, would you begin looking for at least one opportunity every day for the next seven days as we're in this series? Would you begin looking for one opportunity every day where you can serve your spouse? If... uh, Husband, if if your wife is the one that normally washes the dishes or loads the dishwasher or or unloads the dishwasher or makes the bed, would you just take that away from her for the day? Would you serve her by doing that? And and wives, if your husband is the one that that normally, you know, sweeps off the front porch or uh, sweeps out the garage or, you know, makes the bed or something, would you just take that chore away from your husband? So look for that opportunity, one per day. By the way, I started practicing this this week. I did not want to come here and challenge you to do something I had not been doing. And I made the bed by myself three times this week. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it pays off later, I promise you. It does. Keep stepping toward godliness. Keep stepping toward servanthood. Thirdly, we must keep stepping toward honor. Honor. I love this word honor Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 he said be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another honor is a big part of your marriage I don't know where else you're going to go and be told that but honor is a huge part of your marriage You must keep moving toward honoring your husband and your wife. How do we do that? Well, we become affectionate. We become affectionate. Affection is a form of honor. And I had to learn that. I'm telling you, I'm I'm, I'm just opening up to you guys today. I've learned a lot of these things through the school of hard knocks along the way. 
And it's only by the grace of God, marrying as young as Cheryl and I did, that, that we're still together and in love today. I had to learn what it meant to become affectionate to my wife. I grew up in a household of boys. I mean, it was rough and tumble. We fought every day over something. I mean, literally fought. You come to the table, and it was like, you better be fast. You snooze, you lose when it comes time to eat, you know? I, the, the word tender or gentle was not even in my vocabulary. I had no idea what it meant to, to show affection to my wife. So what is, what is affection? I'm, I'm talking about uh, uh, hugging just for the sake of hugging one another. Not because you want it to lead to, to the bedroom. Not because you want it to lead to something else, right? I mean, let's face it. Sex is a lot of work when all you really need is a hug, right? Isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Learn to just hug one another. Learn to just... Bobby just got that down there. <laughs> Learn to hug just for the sake of hugging. It's a, it's a form of honor. Learn to, uh, to hold hands. I can tell you Cheryl loves to hold hands. We sit on the couch with our dog between us, <laughs> and we reach over our dog, Max, and we're holding hands watching TV. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's a form of honor. So we must learn to become affectionate. And we must also accept differences, accept differences. Realize that we're going to deal with a lot of things differently in our life because she's a woman, I'm a man. We have different needs. We have different attitudes. We, we have different uh, differences just in our own makeup, in our, in our DNA. God made us that way, and we must learn these differences and understand them and love our spouse through those differences. There's a great book that should be on the shelf of every Christian couple. It's a, a book by uh, Dr. Hurley. He's a medical doctor. He's a Christian author. And he wrote a book several years ago called His Needs, Her Needs. And I recommend you go out and find that book. Go on the Internet maybe before you leave today. While I'm doing the rest of this message, you go on the Internet with your phone and order this book. You need this book in your life. His Needs, Her Needs. The author's name is Harley. He's a medical doctor. But what he did after years, he compiled the list of the five top needs for women and men. And I want to show those to you today because I want you to write them down. And I want you to learn how to love your wife, men, through these five needs. And recognize they're different from your needs. And ladies, as we go to the five top needs of men, you will probably not be surprised by them. But I want you to learn those and write them down and figure out how to love your husband through his top needs. Here's the top five for ladies. Number one is affection. Well, we just talked about that. A form of honor, affection. Your wife wants you to be affectionate. And you might be like me. You don't have a clue what that is. Well, you need to learn that. Come see me after church is over. And I will talk to you about how you can just be an affectionate man to your wife. That's her number one need. Number two is conversation. Now, when God wired us, he, he gave our, our, our wives about four times as many words that need to be expressed every day than men have. Men can get by, studies show, with an average of about 5,000 words a day. Women need 20,000 words a day. And guys, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you come home from work and your wife has just been waiting all day for you to get there. She wants to unload her unused 18,000 words on you. And we need to stand there with a smile on our face and be tuned in listening. Amen. You want this thing to work, guys? I'm telling you. Learn to be good in conversation. Be a good listener. You really don't have to converse much. You mostly just need to listen. 
and be tuned in and really listen. Here's the third one, honesty. You know, when you spend money, she wants you to tell her. She doesn't want you to go behind her back. She wants you to be honest with her about all things, the struggles you have, the things you're thinking, the things you want to do, your life, your future. Be honest, totally honest, transparent. Don't hide anything from your spouse. Financial support. Can I tell you, security is a big one with your wives. Men, they, they want to know that you're going to take care of them. And they get pretty antsy. They're not the risk takers that us guys are. They get pretty antsy when, when they feel like, man, my, my home is um, it's not too stable. They want that financial security, the, the stability, and they look to you for that, men. And then family commitments. They want, when you cross off Friday night and you say, honey, this is our date night, this is for you, she wants you to, uh, to not let the ball game crowd it out. Family commitments to your children, doing things together as a family, a family night per, you know, every week or something. Family commitments, that's a huge need in your wife's life. Here's the top five for men. And wives, you'll not be surprised with number one, will you? Uh, and guys, you're not surprised with number one, right? I mean, we could almost add it in at number five, too. I mean, it kind of bookends these things. But it's true. And if this part of your marriage is not working for you, don't be ashamed to get some help. I mean, God created sex. It's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing when we do it God's way according to his blueprint. It's wonderful. And if you need some help on that, come, come talk to me or Pastor Dave. We'll, we'll do what we can and then refer you if, you, know, if you need help beyond our ability. But it's important. It's a real need, and your marriage is probably not going to work well without that one working. Here's number two. Recreational companionship. Us guys like for our wives to, co- to come with, to go with us when we do things. Honey, let's go do something together. You might not enjoy bowling or hiking or, or hunting or, or uh, cleaning fish or anything like that, you know. But, but we, we want to have a, a wife that is a recreational companion that, that likes to go with us. That's important to us guys. Here's the third one, an attractive spouse an attractive spouse. Now, ladies, don't shrink from this. Let me explain this. No, no man expects you to look like the models we see on TV and in magazines. I mean, we're, we're realistic. Don't do that. But ladies, just, just do the best you can with what you got, you know? Just do the best you can with what you got. Change out of your, your gown. Don't wear your, your house coat, you know, uh, and slippers and, and rollers in your hair. Don't wear that all day long. Don't be looking like that when he comes home from work. Just do the best you can with what you got, and, and we're going to be happy with that. Just take care of yourself and attract your spouse. That's important to us guys. Uh, domestic support. Domestic support. That just means we, our house would be a mess, ladies. Where we live would be an absolute mess. It would look like a, a college dorm room, wives, if it were not for you. We need help in this area of domestic support. So we need you to help us. Teach us how to make the bed. Teach us how to iron our shirts. We can do that kind of stuff. I iron some shirts in my house. I make the bed in my house. I clean the bed. I help Cheryl cleaning the house. I even know how to run the vacuum. But we look to you ladies for domestic support. We need your help, but you can include us. You can look to us to help you in that arena. And then fifthly, fifth need for men is admiration and respect. Ladies, if you do not admire your husband... And if you do not respect your husband, you are hurting him deeply. And I, and I'll just tell you, in my life, this could come up to, well, not number one, but, but it, we could move this one up to number two for me. 
I need my wife's admiration and respect. And ladies, if you're not giving that to your, your husband, you're hurting him. Top five needs for, for men and women. Now, did you recognize they're totally two different lists? Two different lists. No two are the same. But they are real, and you must understand them for your spouse and figure out how to love your spouse through their top five needs. So guys, instead of trying to change your wife, you need to cherish them. Understand their needs and cherish them and honor them. And ladies, instead of trying to reconstruct your husband, you need to respect him. And as you respect him and admire him, you honor him. Some of you are saying, I I just don't think I can do that, Fred. It's too far gone. My my heart's cold. I've been hurt deeply. I I don't think I can do that anymore. You're saying that, ladies, about your husband. Your your wife, some of you guys are saying, well, I just can't can't love her and and meet those needs in her life because she doesn't respect me. Respect me, Fred. You You don't know what she said or what she's done, how she feels about me. So the question is, okay, who starts? Huh? Who starts? I want to tell you, you do. You do. You start. That's why servanthood is important. Suck it up and start. Begin right where you are. Begin being a servant just like Jesus was. You see now why it's not going to work until you get this one right, right? Until... Jesus begins to change your life and, and, and mold and conform and shape you into being like him, you're not going to get this one right. I mean, you can watch Dr. Phil and Oprah all you want, but it's not going to work. This is the plan that works. So here's the fourth step, the final step. Have you been listening? Did you get the first, first three? We did this last week. Will you read them again with me? Okay. What's the step number one? Keep stepping toward godliness what's number two keep stepping toward servanthood number three keep stepping toward and here's number four we must keep stepping toward enjoyment enjoyment have fun along the way being married is a joy most of the time but you got to keep stepping toward it you got to keep working toward it question do you truly enjoy your spouse do you i mean do you do you love being married if you could change everything right now would you say you know i i think i think i would have gone a different route i think if i if i had a way out i would take it no god god wants you to enjoy your marriage some people stay together and they move from romance to roommates Way too much Phil and Oprah. But you move to God's plan. And you can find that you can stay in love forever. Cheryl and I, we exchange a lot of I love yous. We do it a lot. I mean, we, we do. We kiss a lot. Sometimes I just pull her up to me in, in the kitchen. We've done this since our kids were little. We model this in front of our kids. I'll pull my wife up to me, leaning against the kitchen cabinets, and I'll just give her a big old wet one right there in the kitchen, you know, even in front of the kids. She loves it. We enjoy being together. Well, we say I love you a lot, but sometimes our wives really need, need to know more. 
Let me share with you what that more is. Guys, your wives want to know, do you like me? Do you like the way I look? Men, your, your husband wants to know, do, do you enjoy being with me? Would you prefer to be with me over somebody else, your friends or, or another woman? That's important to our wives, guys. And God designed this oneness factor in our hearts, in our, in our makeup, so that we would enjoy one another. Jesus said this incredible verse, John 10, 10. He said, the thief, that would be the evil one that's trying to wreck your marriage. The thief does not come except to steal, steal and kill and to destroy. That's exactly what he wants to do with your marriage. And some of you know that. He's been working on that in your life. That's the thief. That's the evil one. That's Satan himself. Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, normally when we read that verse, we, uh, we, we're talking about an eternal perspective, abundant life in heaven after this life. But can I tell you, Jesus meant that also for this life that you're living right now. He meant that for you in your life right now. And you can have that. You can have that life abundant, better than you ever thought or dreamed or imagined. But first of all, you got to get this one right. You can't work on this one between the spouses until you get this one right between you and God. So let me, let me give you three practical steps that I think can help you love your spouse forever. The first one is this. Date each other. Start dating again. Cheryl and I have a date night. Every Friday night is our date night. And I've announced to, to my church, the, the last church where I was the senior pastor, and Pastor Dave was on my staff back then. It's kind of flipped around this time. But I used to announce, you know, Friday night is Cheryl and our, my date night. Don't call me. Don't interrupt me. You have an emergency, call Pastor Dave because Friday night is our date night. And uh, sometimes we would go to the movie. Sometimes we would uh, just go get a meal and go out by the uh, seashore and sit there and eat when we were in Florida. Uh, now, you know, we're, we still have our date night, but we do really cool things like go down to Lowe's and just walk through down the aisles of Lowe's and look and, and think and plan. Isn't that a great date night? Yeah. And when we don't go to Lowe's, we'll go over to Home Depot, you know. I'm a real romantic. No, we, we have a date night, and we protect that, and it's been good for us. Do you have a date night? You want to stay in love forever? Find a date night and protect it. Every week belongs to you and your spouse. Here's the second thing. Write down your love thoughts. Do you remember when you were, when you were dating, when you were so much in love, and you'd write all these, these uh, love letters and, and love notes to each other? I was in the Navy, separated from Cheryl as, as we were ramping up to get married and every day I would go to the mailbox and I would have a thick letter from her waiting for me in the mailbox can I tell you that kept me going at that time I would sit down and in my barracks and read that letter and I'd say oh god you've given me such a great woman I can't wait to get back to Florida and get my hands on her you know what happened somewhere along the way we we quit writing notes this is one Fred and Cheryl need to begin doing uh, you don't have to write letters. I'm talking about buy those post-it notes, you know, put them on the mirror, put them in the, your lunch, uh, on one another's desk, 
Maybe uh, send a text once in a while to each other, you know. Write love notes. Send some emails. And just say, hey, I love you. I'll be waiting for you when you get home from work tonight. And, uh, you know, that says, that says I love you. And us guys especially look forward to that. We, we may be ambivalent about going home. But when you've sent us a little note, a text, and say, hey, I've got something special waiting for you when you get home tonight. Hey, we're, we're going to go straight home after work. I guarantee you, every time it'll work. Send some love notes to each other. Here's a third one. Very practical. Cut back. Cut back. Some of you guys are just way, way, way too busy. You're doing all of these things that you think you need to do, and I want to tell you, according to God's plan for your marriage, you don't need to do them. You wonder why your marriage is is suffering, why you're struggling? Well, probably part of the reason is you're way too busy, and you're not able to give priority to the things that need to have a higher priority in your life. And these are the four steps that I just outlined for you. Does that make sense? Is this practical, practical things that you can take home? I believe God's word should have a high take-home value. You need to be able to go home and say, you know, a lot of those things really made sense today. Drawn specifically from the word of God. And they are true. And they will change your life. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.